Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 112. In today's episode, Bee Glue. What is it and how this amazing product can help your pets? Tracheal collapse in dogs. Home remedies that work. Cat asthma. It's more common than you think, and here's what you can do to help your cat. Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. I'd sure appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Questions or suggestions, feel free to post a comment about this podcast episode on the blog at www.theinternetpetvet.com. I encourage you to get a copy of my new free book, Natural Health for Dogs and Cats, in which I share the most important remedies to keep your pet healthy and naturally treat disease. You can get your copy by going to www.veterinarysecrets.com. Now let's get right into today's podcast. Bee glue for dogs and cats. Propolis known as bee glue. It's a resinous waxy substance that bees create by mixing their saliva with beeswax along with compounds from various plants and trees. Bees use it to seal gaps in the hive to keep out intruders. Propolis also has antimicrobial properties and may protect bees from pathogens. The substances that make up propolis can be very complex. Scientists have identified more than 300 separate compounds in propolis. As a rough guideline, propolis typically consists of Tree and vegetable resins, 50%, beeswax, 30%, pollen, 5%, essential and aromatic oils, 10%. Propolis also contains polyphenols such as flavonoids, which are a type of antioxidant. Medicinal properties. One 2019 review suggests that people have used propolis as medicine since the year 300. Ancient Egyptians, they used propolis for embalming, and some doctors used it during World War II to help with wound healing. So what are some of the specific properties then? Well first, let's look at wound healing. One 2015 review suggests that propolis may aid in wound healing. An animal study in rats with diabetes showed that propolis helped the skin grow new cells in order to repair itself. Because animals with diabetes can experience slow wound healing, this suggests that propolis could be beneficial for helping the skin heal more quickly. As propolis also kills some types of bacteria, it may also help prevent infections. Oral health. According to the same 2015 review, propolis also appears to prevent the formation of calcium phosphate, which is the main component of dental plaque. Propolis and honey are also antibacterial, which may make them useful as ingredients in dental care products. According to one study, propolis significantly decreased the amount of bacteria in the saliva of people with periodontitis. For our animals, in particular for our cats, that can have stomatitis, serious, serious gingivitis, propolis is one of the few options that can really help them. Inflammation. The antioxidants in propolis may work to reduce inflammation, such as the inflammation that arthritis causes. Animal studies have tested propolis as an anti-inflammatory agent for arthritis. In these studies, propolis inhibited swelling and appeared to have an impact on how the inflammation developed. Scientists now believe that propolis may regulate inflammatory substances in the body, such as prostaglandins. Allergies. One study in the Journal of Oxidative Medicine and Cellular Longevity found that propolis contained compounds that may have an anti-allergy effect in the body. And what we are finding with some animals in particular are dogs that have atopy or inhalant allergy. Some of those are responding to oral propolis. Lastly, for burns. Typically, most burns in people and in our animals, they're treated with a cream called sulfur sulfadiazine. 
But what they did is compare the use of propolis skin cream to the silver cream, and they found that the propolis was in many cases more effective than the silver sulfazidazine. The big point here is the silver cream is very expensive, difficult to get for many people, especially those of you who are pet parents. Super good option, propolis. Personally, I've been regularly using propolis for a sore throat. It's antibacterial, it's antiviral, and it's anti-inflammatory. It's kind of what you want any kind of topical spray, and it's a natural product. Plus, it tastes good. It's a little bit sweet. Good option to consider for yourself, for your dogs, your cats, if they also have any respiratory infections as well. Tracheal collapse in dogs. What is it? What can you do to help your dog? Well, most dogs with tracheal collapse, they have had a history of chronic coughing, especially after exercise or excitement. This is typical in the small breeds, such as poodles, Yorkies, and Pomeranians. And this is what a dog would sound like if he or she has tracheal collapse. (coughs) What are the causes? The trachea is the windpipe that connects the nose and the throat to the lungs. It's made up of rigid circular cartilages. The trachea serves as a pipeline bringing air into the chest. The trachea collapses because the cartilage rings, which make up the trachea, they weaken, which is the term tracheomalacia. This is a condition where the cartilages become spongy and soft. Cartilages in this condition, they can hold their rigid C-shaped supportive structure. When the C-shape loses its curvature, the trachea just loses its strength and just collapses in on itself. Panting makes the collapse worse, which then leads to more respiratory distress. The collapse causes increased inflammation, thus promoting yet more coughing, which creates yet more inflammation the inflammatory cycle. And then there are enzymes involved in inflammation which further soften the tracheal cartilage, making the collapse even worse. Some dogs initially with tracheal collapse, they don't show any symptoms, but then you can have a secondary problem and then you see the signs of tracheal collapse. So what are some of these secondary problems? Obesity, anesthesia involving the placement of an endotracheal tube, the development of kennel cough or another respiratory infection, increased respiratory irritants in the air, cigarette smoke, dust, etc., heart enlargement. The heart can get so big that it presses on the trachea. If a secondary factor such as one of these listed above should occur and make a previously incidental collapsed trachea problematic, sometimes removal of the secondary factor, such as a weight loss program and getting an air filter, that may clear up the symptoms of the collapsing trachea. So what should you do? First, see your veterinarian. You know, if your dog is having breathing difficulty, have your vet do a thorough physical exam and check for this disease. If there's a breathing emergency, it might require immediate intervention with sedation, a breathing tube inserted into the airway and medication to decrease the swelling. Surgery for this condition is an option but most dogs can be managed without surgery. So first let's look at some of the conventional treatments and we'll talk about all the holistic options. So dogs with collapsed tracheas become unable to efficiently clear infectious organisms from their lower respiratory tracts. In other words they can have an infection. Antibiotics may be needed to periodically clear up infections. Conventionally they're looking at cough suppressants such as hydrocodone, butorphanol or tramadol. Then corticosteroids, many dogs that have tracheal collapse, they're on prednisone and other related hormones to cut secretions of mucus. Should be things they're only used on a short-term basis. Unfortunately, often they're on a long-term basis. And in doing so, you can run into secondary problems. Airway dilators such as theophylline, 
they're controversial as they may dilate lower airways, but they're not really helping the trachea. In other words, they're not typically advised, although some veterinarians are using them. The one surgery you would want to consider is called a mesh tent. It involves a surgically putting in this stainless steel prosthetic. One study of 24 dogs receiving this prosthesis showed that 96% had improvement after surgery. Unfortunately, two dogs died within a week after the surgery. And this is a study of 24 dogs. After the immediate post-surgical period, 30% were reported to be completely free of symptoms. 61% showed marked improvement. 4% continued to have symptoms. Of all the surgical options, this would be the one that you'd consider. When you're thinking of surgery, it's when you've got a serious, serious case of tracheal collapse and nothing else conventionally or holistically has worked. Is liver disease associated? A study done about 10 years ago, they found clear correlation for dogs that had tracheal collapse. 92% of the dogs with tracheal collapse were found to have abnormal liver results. And dogs that received, you know, the stent placement we just talked about to assist in their breathing showed improvement in their liver function tests. It was concluded that oxygen deprivation from the collapse had resulted in significant liver disease. It was further recommended that tracheal collapse patients have liver function tests and consider using liver supportive medications. We're going to talk about a few of those in the following suggestions. So what are some of your holistic options for a dog that's got tracheal collapse? First, weight loss. Any additional weight is putting incredible strain on the trachea. Now, if your dog is overweight, get him or her on a diet. You know, a safe weight loss target is 15% of the body weight in a six-month period. This means, one, decreasing the amount of calories, but in particular, decreasing the amount of carbohydrates, really increasing the amount of protein in your dog's diet, so, so key, and really look at eliminating kibble if you can, combining that with increasing the amount of exercise. And if there's one big takeaway from weight loss, is just as few carbohydrates as possible. The medicine cabinet. You know, uh, over-the-counter anti-inflammatory aspirin is okay to use in our dogs. The ASA dose is 325 milligrams for 40 pounds of body weight twice daily, especially when they've got a really big flare-up. You know, you're giving about a quarter of a tablet to 10-pound dogs. If side effects are seen, such as diarrhea or vomiting, then stop. And I'd recommend uncoated regular aspirin as the coated aspirin may pass right through your dog. A glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, all three of those supplements, they're ones you consider or think about for joint support. They also may have some good anti-inflammatory properties which can help a dog with tracheal collapse. And you're looking at doses of 100 milligrams per 10 pounds daily of glucosamine, 100 milligrams per 10 pounds daily of MSM, 50 milligrams per 10 pounds daily of chondroitin. All three of those are in my supplement, Ultimate Canine Health Formula. Some natural anti-anxiety relief. I'm going to give you a few options here. Because part of that is trying to decrease the level of anxiety. It'd be a lot easier for your dog to be breathing. Less secondary irritation from the tracheal collapsing. First, consider Bach Rescue Remedy. It's a type of flower remedy. Lots of dogs seem to respond well to it. Uh, the dose of the Rescue Remedy is one drop for five pounds of body weight, twice daily as needed. Tellington Tea Touch. Massage may calm your pet. You can trace circles on their tail, mouth, and ears each day. And for many dogs, it has a surprising calming effect. The ear tips are especially sensitive. Consider acupressure. There's a point at the base of the nose between the eyes called the yin tang point. I personally respond really well to that with acupuncture and I've seen my dog respond really well to that with acupressure. You're putting moderate pressure with your finger in that area for 30 to 60 seconds. Do that twice a day for a week. You may see your dog respond quite quickly. 
A couple of herbal anti-inflammatories I want you to think about. First of all, curcumin, especially in combination with Boswellia. The 95% curcumin is a great natural anti-inflammatory. Um, we're looking at doses of it of 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. May work even better in combination with Boswellia at doses of 50 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. Those two in combination have proven to be as effective as naproxen. Couple other ones, devil's claw used in traditional African medicine has scientific studies to back its effectiveness. We're looking at doses of 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. Lastly, willow bark, a source of salicylate, the active ingredient in aspirin. Doses of 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. As far as a supplement that is not only anti-inflammatory, also anti-anxiety, CBD or cannabidiol. Super good option to consider here. Because one, so CBD or cannabidiol, it's the non-psychoactive ingredient found in the cannabis plant. And we're looking at doses of three milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight. And I would be giving it twice daily for a dog that's got tracheal collapse. Because one, it's anti-inflammatory. We're trying to decrease inflammation in that trachea. Secondary two, it can decrease your dog's anxiety, making it far less likely for them to have a serious breathing crisis. The last big natural remedies that I want to focus on for our dogs that have tracheal collapse is naturally dealing with the coughing. I'm going to give you a couple of options here. First of all, I'll start with honey. We're looking at long-term use of about a half a teaspoon per 10 pounds of body weight daily. And that's something you can comfortably give to your dog long-term. You can mix it with a little bit of warm water. I like mixing mine with a little bit of green tea. So I would be mixing in you know, two tablespoons of green tea with that half a teaspoon of honey to my little dog Tula. She seems to really like that. If you want to increase the amount of the anti-inflammatory properties that come out of honey, it's not just honey, consider using the propolis that we talked about. So instead of giving half a teaspoon of honey, you can be then using a half a teaspoon of propolis. Seems to be a little bit more effective as far as decreasing inflammation, maybe helping if there's an underlying bacterial infection uh, causing that cough. Then lastly, and this is meant for short-term use, but I really like it, is licorice root tincture. It's considered the natural cortical steroid it's been shown to be really effective for our dogs that have chronic coughing that have tracheal collapse a really good natural anti-inflammatory but be only given for a maximum of 14 days you're looking at doses of about a half a mil of licorice root tincture for 20 pounds of body weight daily Little Tula, I give her a quarter of a mil twice a day. You're doing that for a maximum of 14 days. And you can combine it with the green tea, with the honey, as a really good option. The last thing I want to mention is slippery elm. So slippery elm is from the bark of the slippery elm tree. It produces this mucilage, this sort of mucus coating that will coat the airway, naturally decreasing the level of coughing. is very safe to give long term. So you can give it ongoing. And a number of dogs that have tracheal collapse respond really well to it. The doses of slippery elm is about one 400 milligram capsule for 20 pounds of body weight daily. With Tula, I open it up, mix it in with a little bit of water, with a little bit of food. She happily eats it and really helps her when she's coughing. She has mild tracheal collapse. This is kind of my go-to treatment, the slippery elm. You could also consider this homeopathic arsenicum. So it's arsenicum 30C, often helpful uh, with some of our animals that seem to have tracheal collapse. We're looking at doses of one 30C capsule every two to three hours in a severe crisis, but given twice daily long-term. Aconite 30C, it's another homeopathic used for tracheal collapse. 
Dose 30C capsule uh, for 20 pounds of body weight, and that can be given ongoing as well. If there is a breathing crisis, like serious respiratory distress, you're probably going to need to get your dog into your veterinary clinic. But the big thing here is calming them as soon as possible. If you have a CBD, put that onto your dog's gums because they can absorb it in through the gum line, helping to decrease their level of anxiety. There is another herbal called valerian tincture. It can be put on topically into your dog's gums. And to just be as calm as possible, if your dog feels overheated, you can try to cool them down by running cold water over the back of your pet's head, putting cold packs wrapped in towels in between their back legs, on their belly, and in their armpits. And then get your dog in to your veterinary clinic as soon as possible. Also find it's a good idea here just to have some corticosteroids on hand. You may not be able to just manage this with the holistic options, but to have them for short term if you need to. Lastly, asthma. What is asthma and do you need to be concerned about it? Well, asthma only occurs in our cat, not in our dogs, also in people. The most common sign is a cat that is coughing and not producing hairballs. Often this is accompanied by difficult breathing. Occasionally you can hear a whistling sound when they breathe. So what is asthma? It's a respiratory problem in our cats in which the lungs airways are constricted or narrowed. Some of the things that define asthma, airway inflammation, airway is far too reactive to different things that go inside the airway, i.e. dust, etc. And lastly, it really constricts the flow of air. In asthma, you're getting excess mucus forming. The airway swells with inflammation and the airway's muscles, they can go into the spasm leading to constriction. As you can imagine, right? Airway constriction leads to the inability to draw in a deep breath. Like you just can't get enough air into your lungs. That's what's happening with your cats. Leading to intolerance and exercise, coughing. And sometimes when they exhale, you hear this sound. It almost sounds like a wheeze or a whistle, like, hmm. Sometimes a low-grade chronic cough is the only evident sign uh, that your cat is asthmatic. Asthmatic airway constriction can happen really quickly all of a sudden and go right into this marked respiratory distress. So how do you make the diagnosis? It's typically done with x-rays. So most of the time you see some classic changes. They're called donuts. That's when the airway is viewed end on, right? It's the small airways, the bronchioles, these circular donuts. Like, oh, that's pretty classic. Or when they're viewed from the side, they look like tram lines. Most times you, that x-ray based on clinical signs, you've got a diagnosis of, of asthma. But some asthmatic cats may have normal x-rays. They're saying up to a quarter of cats that have asthma have completely normal chest x-rays. Typically what you're seeing is we're, we're seeing a cat that comes in with these classic x-ray signs along with the signs of coughing. You're like, oh, your cat has asthma. But if they don't, then you're like, okay, what's going on here? Then you've got to think about other conditions, right? Is it heart disease? Is it maybe feline heartworm disease? There's some other inflammatory airway disease going on. Some of the options, and when I think back in practice, often then we would look at response to therapy. In other words, probably giving some type of corticosteroids such as dexamethasone, and we're seeing a pretty quick result. All of a sudden this cat, which was breathing heavy in 30 minutes, is no longer breathing heavy. We're like, okay, we've got an asthmatic, even though the x-rays were normal. So what are the solutions? Well, the conventional options first. The biggest thing to understand here in asthma, the underlying problem is airway inflammation, right? To resolve the inflammation, that's why they're using steroid medications as the cornerstone of therapy. 
prednisone or long-acting injections such as Depomadryl. The problem with the corticosteroids is that they need to be tapered, like it's sort of the lowest effective dose, and you get secondary side effects. You know, PPD, increased drinking, increased urination, you're suppressing immune system, some of these cats become diabetic. Other options then. You can have these metered dose inhalers. Think of a human asthmatic taking in their puffer. The problem with that is that cats, you can't really tell them, right? Inhale now. And they don't seem to like having masks put up to their face or a puffer put into their face. It turns out that pediatric, small infants, they have the same issues. They don't like being told when to inhale. They don't like having puffers shoved into their face. You can get these things called these pediatric uh, spacers have been invented and they also work for cats so some cat parents who have cats that have asthma have been able to use these new types of inhalers most commonly you're using Flovent, the corticosteroid inhalers along with airway dilators such as ventolin for flare-ups as far as oral other oral tablets to consider oral things as well conventionally wise sometimes these airway dilators are used in the management of asthma such as theophylline or terbutaline other ones to consider, there is an antihistamine we also used to use as, as an appetite stimulant called cyproheptadine, sold by the brand name Periactin. Um, one of the biochemicals that's involved in asthma inflammation is serotonin, and cyproheptadine, it's an anti-serotonin medication with concurrent antihistamine properties. So often this is given to cats who need a little bit of extra help, say they're on steroids, they're not completely responding. You can add in cyproheptadine, which is fairly safe, very few side effects and that seems to help them with their asthma. Then lastly, from the serious, serious cases, and they're not responding to anything else, some of the veterinarians are now using cyclosporin. I mean, this is a super strong anti-inflammatory immunosuppressant drug. We're using it to treat some of the cats with cancer to prevent organ rejection and, and someone who's had an organ transplant. So it's kind of like the worst case. You get super cautiously using it, but if there's nothing else that's worked conventionally wise and you're sort of stuck, your veterinarian may talk about using cyclosporin or you should be talking to them about using cyclosporin. So one of the some of the holistic answers, other things you can consider using. First of all, think about avoiding chemical irritants that can trigger an attack. Make sure you don't have any smoke in your house. You know, removing perfumes, deodorizers, any chemical cleaners. Get yourself a really good quality indoor air filter to eliminate so many of these small particles that can irritate your cat's lungs. Look at doing some type of an elimination diet. Food allergens have been found as a causative agent for some cats, right? So you're gonna be using a unique protein, you're getting rid of kibble, you're getting rid of that crappy food. Preferably you're making your cat's own food at home and you're looking at some unique protein they've never been on before, no carbohydrates, along with appropriate supplements such as essential fatty acids. Consider using a Bach Rescue Remedy. I talked about using it for these dogs with tracheal collapse. Super good option here. One drop per five to 10 pounds of body weight twice daily can be used long-term. Lots of cats respond well to that. If your cat is overweight, get him on this no-carb, high-protein diet. You're gonna see him lose weight. It can really help his asthma. Consider increasing humidity in your house with a humidifier. So that alone can decrease the incidence and frequency of asthma attacks, right? Ideally, you're maintaining 30% humidity. Look at adding in vitamin E. It's a great antioxidant, and some alternative veterinarians believe that it can help prevent or reduce the severity of an asthma attack. You can give an average 10-pound cat 100 international units per day. That's 100 IU per day. 
Get your cat on a good quality essential fatty acid supplement. Krill oil is a great option. So EPA and DHA, the two anti-inflammatory components of that omega-3 fatty acid krill oil, are key in decreasing inflammation. We can decrease inflammation in the lungs. Do this naturally can go a long way in decreasing uh, the severity of asthma and helping your cat holistically. Consider this one homeopathic arsenicum. It's been shown to be helpful with asthma, a primary cause of coughing in cat. We're looking at doses of arsenicum 30C every two to three hours in a relapse, twice daily, long-term. What's a good cough relief formula for a cat, especially a cat that is coughing with asthma? It's fine to give honey long-term and or propolis long-term. We're looking about a quarter of a teaspoon of honey, quarter of a meal of propolis is fine. Uh, you can then mix that in with licorice root tincture. So licorice root, and consider the natural anti-inflammatory, can be really beneficial for our cats that have asthma. We'd be giving a cat about a quarter of a meal of licorice root tincture uh, per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily for a maximum of 14 days. It's really important when there's a big flare-up. So you could combine the licorice root with the honey and add Add, you know, about a tablespoon of warm water, mix that up really well, and dose that to your cat daily. A super good option, especially for a 10 to 14 day uh, regimen to decrease inflammation. The honey could be given long term, the propolis can be given long term. The licorice root is more meant as that short term, sort of 10 to 14 days when there's really big, big flare ups. The last herbal remedy that I want to mention for cats with asthma is slippery elm. Slippery elm is from the bark of the slippery elm tree. It works by producing this mucus coating and it lines and can soothe the irritated airways, naturally decreasing inflammation. Many cat parents that have cats with asthma finding that slippery elm is the one herbal ingredient that is helping their cat. We're looking at cat doses of one 400 milligram capsule per day. It's easy to open up the capsules, mix it into your cat's canned food. It takes about 14 days to see if you're gonna see an effect, but it's safe to give your cats long term. Consider 95% curcumin, a really important other anti-inflammatory. We're looking at doses of 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. Um, some cats respond well to it, especially some of these asthmatic cats. Then lastly, can consider CBD or cannabidiol. And the thing I like about CBD cannabidiol, one, it's a really important natural inflammatory, and that's what we're trying to do, decrease inflammation in the lungs. Doses of three milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. So it would be one drop per day of my supplement, Dr. Jones's ultimate CBD for dogs and cats. And the other thing with CBD is also can naturally decrease your cat's level of anxiety, which is what you want to do as well. Um, so consider some of those holistic options if you've yet to hear them. So thanks you guys. Thanks for listening to this edition of Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. That was podcast 112, you know, like over 100. Yay, I hope you're doing well, that your dogs, your cats are doing well. Questions or comments, first feel free to post comment about this podcast on my blog at www.theinternetpetvet.com and lastly i encourage you to get a copy of my new free book natural health for dogs and cats you can get a copy by going here www.veterinarysecrets.com